A celebrity gourmet chef, a former MP and current judge and a police officer once tasked with protecting Jewish communities from terror attacks are among the figures arrested in response to a foiled coup plan in Germany. The country's biggest ever operation against far-right extremism saw 3,000 police officers target more than 150 addresses across Germany as well as in Austria and Italy, making 25 arrests. The number of suspects had risen to 54 by Friday. The group, inspired by Reichsburger ideology that the modern German state is illegitimate, had planned to overthrow the government and install a regime led by a 71-year-old aristocrat as its head of state. Kieran O'Connor is a senior analyst with the London-based Institute for Strategic Dialogue, an NGO monitoring online extremism and disinformation. Before coming on air, I spoke with him about this story, as well as the prevalence of the far right here in Ireland, beginning by asking him whether this failed coup in Germany had strong online footprints. It did, yeah. And really what you're talking about there is Telegram. Telegram is an online messaging and chat uh, platform, kind of looks a bit like WhatsApp, but people have the ability to create large scale channels with, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers. But what we're seeing with this was uh, online groups who were using this messaging platform, uh, not necessarily to to, to chat and organise, because that stuff usually takes place in private forums, but to put forward their ideology, to put forward their kind of view of of the world, their view of Germany today. And what that was, was one that uh, they reject the legitimacy of of the German state and the German constitution, uh, and that they reject the the policies that have been put in place to to kind of guard against COVID. But within this movement, within this kind of coup plot as well, there seems to have been a significant number of the group's members who were allegedly current or former soldiers, uh, including from elite units with, with extensive combat training and so potential access to or experience with firearms as well. So if you mix that kind of experience and access to, to potential weapons, along with uh, a very dangerous conspiratorial ideology, uh, you see what, the, what kind of threat can come from that. And that leads me on to my next question then, because this might necessarily fit the mould of similar anti-establishment movements. Is a wider cohort of people being targeted now and drawn in by disinformation online as opposed to what we might have seen previously with the traditional profile of those operating on the fringes of society that are the ones behind such movements? Yeah, totally. Um, What we've really seen in the last two, three years, uh, especially because of COVID, is this kind of binding of different groups, people with different ideologies under this kind of anti-state or anti-government um, ideology. Uh, what, what were once disparate groups who had competing uh, interests have kind of found common ground. And that might be in their rejection of, you know, COVID policies, their rejection uh, of vaccines, but also their rejection of, uh, you know, government's open, um, government's kind of welcoming policies for, for asylum seekers in their countries or what they might perceive as pro-LGBTQ policies and ideologies of governments as well. So over the last few years, supported in part by this kind of online network of groups uh, and network communication that takes place on platforms like Telegram has brought so many groups uh, together under a kind of common flag, yes. 
Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney, he says Ireland isn't facing the same challenges as other European countries when it comes to the rise of the far right. But we've seen protests across the country in recent months in areas where refugees or asylum seekers are being accommodated. It's been suggested some of these protests have contained far right elements. What does your research tell you about the prevalence of the far right here? Well, in Ireland, at least, far-right political parties have failed abysmally. They, they haven't passed 2% uh, when they've gone to, to seek you know, public support and gone to the polls. But that doesn't tell the full story. Uh, what's, what's kind of going on in Ireland at the moment are a number of, of figures who, put, who promote and support far-right ideologies, um, anti-LGBT, anti-migrant, you know, this kind of ethno-nationalist Ireland for the Irish, and that's kind of presented as a a very limited, exclusive white Ireland. Um, Across the board, uh, the the way that they have reacted to kind of growing refugee numbers from Ukraine, but also from other parts of the world, uh, shows you that they have an interest in kind of stirring up hate and using this protest movement to further their own agenda. And and that's that's clear in in the rhetoric that they use, for example. I mean, uh, communities across the country are kind of uh, debating and, and seeking answers around the kind of uh, asylum seeker policies that are put in place. But amongst these figures and amongst these communities, that's not present. The rhetoric there is one of invasion, is one of dehumanising uh, and, and harassing kind of language that targets people who are coming here for protection. And you've been writing in the Irish Examiner this week exactly on that topic, this far-right pushing an invasion propaganda to describe the arrival here of mm-hmm. asylum seekers or refugees. But how are they managing to get this narrative across You mentioned in Germany the use of uh, social media apps such as Telegram. Is it a similar construct here in Ireland or is it being done differently? It is, yeah, it's a similar construct. Uh, Telegram is the kind of social media platform of choice for for far-right communities in Ireland. um, But also this exists on other platforms as well. And kind of what you see is uh, a multi-platform approach where these groups may use one platform to organise or mobilise and then they may use other platforms, something like Facebook, which has more wider uh, appeal and kind of wider user base to then share videos, to kind of share uh, calls to action as well. So kind of organising online and then mobilising offline and trying to uh, insert themselves into different communities around the country. And that's why you see some of these figures who uh, they're in East Wall one evening of the week, then they're down in Fermoy or they're in Wicklow or they're travelling to different places to try and, uh, as I said, insert themselves into the debate and try and frame uh, this issue as as an existential issue and try to frame asylum seekers as a threat to Irish people. And compared with other countries then, Kieran, how good is Ireland at monitoring this online and even offline disinformation that fuels these kinds of movements? Are we taking it seriously enough? Uh, it's a bit of a mixed bag, I think. Uh, I think there are a lot of devoted uh, researchers or reporters or or people like this, or, or law enforcement police as well, um, who do monitor and who, do, who kind of follow the developments within these but uh, as we've seen in other countries, uh, it, it doesn't take a, a large kind of coordinated threat to or a large coordinated group to pose a threat to be it the vulnerable member of society, to minorities, or to pose a threat to the state itself as well. Um, so whilst monitoring and kind of analysis and research of this uh, kind of phenomenon is ongoing, I think uh, you can't take your, your foot off the pedal as well. 
Kieran O'Connor there talking to me about how his research suggests elements of the far right have been trying to insert themselves into local communities, exploiting locals' concerns to further their own agenda.